Uh, we are coming to our conclusion of our series called The Holy Spirit. And, you know, it would be naive of me to uh, imagine or to, you know, present the idea that we can cover the magnitude of the person of the Holy Spirit in just three weeks of 25-minute talks. It just, it's just too much. It doesn't happen. But I'm hoping that this series has created a little bit of a hunger inside of you to taste and to see, to to examine on your own, whether maybe you're going through the devotionals or you're in prayer or in, in a small group environment where you're talking about the Holy Spirit and it's stirring up an, an excitement or desire or pursuit to know more and to engage into a relationship with Him. I'm hoping it's stirring a, something within you to ask for more and to pursue Him. We're going to conclude our series today talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. But just for, if you've been with us, maybe you're joining us for the first time or maybe missed a few weeks, just want to give you a quick recap of what kind of brought us to this place. Uh, we, you know, we've been working this through idea, there's this text in, in Acts. If, you've, if you studied the book of New Testament, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are really the kind of four, um, you know, first kind of eyewitness experiences of the life and the ministry of Jesus from four different perspectives. But then when you get into Acts, you're kind of getting into a history book of the, of the first church, the early church, and really an introduction to the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always existed, but this is sort of an introduction to the person, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we see this in Acts 19, uh, verse 1. It's kind of a, a subtext to kind of help lay the foundation. It says, while Apollos was, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, some people who loved Jesus, who were following the words and the ways of Jesus, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Just an honest question. Hey, you, you're following Jesus, you believed in Jesus, but did you receive the Holy Spirit that is, has been poured out to us? And they answered, no, we had not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so we kind of took this understanding that sometimes, you know, we don't even understand the person or the work or the, pr the promise of the Holy Spirit, and it's just because we've no one never told us. And so we realize that there are some people today who, who maybe the Holy Spirit is just, you've heard about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, but you don't really know much about it, so we really wanted to help lay the foundation. But then there's the other side of us, and I, honestly, I would say that I was probably a little bit more in this camp, and, and if you grew up in a kind of charismatic environment maybe or a church maybe you've been in this side of the side of the world or maybe you grew up in church culture where maybe it's been mis, mis the, the packaging of the holy spirit's been misrepresented so you kind of have a, a a negative pers perspective of it is you know 15 years earlier the same paul who was speaking this to the church in ephesus was actually named saul and he was part of the sanhedrin and they were they were persecuting a man named stephen and they were ready to stone him to death and stephen is saying to the sanhedrin which is including saul at this point he says, you stiff-necked people, this is Acts 7, 51, you uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your forefathers, and you always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, so there was this, this tension point between those who are resisting the work of the Holy Spirit and those who just didn't know about it. I didn't know the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and whether you find yourself somewhere in that spectrum of resisting or not knowing, or, or knowing a little bit in part but not in the full measure, that's what this series has been about. It's just trying to understand in some degree who the person of the Holy Spirit is so that we can lean into it, lean into Him rather, altogether. And I fully understand that this approach hopefully is just softening and allowing ourselves to hit the reset button as we just really dive into Scripture and see what Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit. One of the things we need to understand is that Jesus himself in John 16, 7 says, it is actually best for you that I go. This is he's going up when he ascends back to the Father 
Because if I go, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I don't go, he won't come. So if I do go away, then he will come because I will send him to you. So it is best for Jesus to descend, ascend into heaven so the Holy Spirit may come. And so we kind of had this foundational thought that when we resist the Holy Spirit, we're actually resisting God. When we stay away from the Holy Spirit, we actually stay away from God, which is none of our, I don't believe anybody in this place has that intention. The reason you're here this morning is because there is a, a, some level desire. Maybe it's new, maybe it's fresh, maybe it's been matured and seasoned through time, but there's some desire to know more about God, to grow into a relationship with God, to know, to have all that He has for you and for me. And so that's what this series was about. So week one, we talked about the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise that we have this Holy Spirit. And so we understood that the Holy Spirit is the present person of God. The Holy Spirit is is not an it, a thing, a force, or a substance, but he is the present person of God. Week two, we said that the purpose of the Holy Spirit, well, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to make me better than you, but to make me better than me, (laughs) right? The Holy Spirit is not to, it's not to, it's not like a badge that I wear to make me better than you, but actually the Holy Spirit in me makes me the better version of who God created me to be, and it helps us grow in Christ. And today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But before we kind of jump too far into that, I kind of want to take a step back and talk about this word baptism because sometimes we, we refer to baptism as in water. And I know we said today was going to be baptism Sunday. Nobody wanted to get baptized, so we're going to keep on pushing forward. We'd provide an opportunity. It wasn't the right timing, but that's okay. There's going to be another opportunity in the new year. But, uh, we're, but that's, so that's, some of you are probably wondering, where's the baptism? Where's the water? Where's the big splash? I think a lot of people here just like getting baptized in the lake. It's just so much fun. But, and it's really cold out there right now to dunk, dunk the water, so we're not doing that. Anyway, let's talk about baptism. What does it mean to be baptized? It's not just something to do in water. Baptism actually means to be immersed in. To be immersed in is the, what the word baptism actually means. So it's not simply being dumped underwater. It's actually to be immersed into the presence or the power or the person of God. And actually, if you know, there's actually three baptisms outlined in Scripture. Maybe this is new information for you. You can take notes. All of our notes, again, are once again available on YouVersion Bible app. You can save them, write, add your own notes, save them for later, or you can do the old-fashioned way and write them down. Someone once said that paper never forgets. You know, write it all down. You think, I'll remember that, and then you get home and you forget what you tried to remember, right? Anybody else do that? Just me? My wife, she'll tell me to do something four times. She'll just remember, I got it. When you, you don't have to tell me four times. I get it. I know. I get to the grocery store. I'm like, shoot, what did you tell me again? You know, write it down. Paper never forgets. Anyway, we'll move on. Immersed. So the Bible talks about three baptisms. We're going to touch this really quickly before we jump into our text. You're going to be with me. We've got a lot of content today. You guys good with that? Coming to church to learn. Good, good. All right. First is baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into the body of Christ. If you're taking notes, you can just kind of brackets their salvation. Really, this is the salvation experience. This is being baptized into the body, into the person of Christ. This is not some part-time experience. This is not some Sunday-only expression. This is not, you know, adopting some sort of belief system, though all of those things are included. But salvation is an immersive relationship. It's the immersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. It's to be immersed into who he is. Salvation was never meant, was always meant to be rather this vibrant, this passionate, this authentic, transformative, fully immersive relationship with 
Jesus. It was supposed to, the, the idea of being baptized into the person of Christ is supposed to radically transform who we are. Remember, we're talking about we were once old, we were once dead, we were once dying, but because of Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. There's a transformative experience. And I would challenge some of us, we've accepted Christ, but our life looks nothing, it doesn't look anything different. There's supposed to be this transformative experience that takes place in our life. And this is the first step into our relationship with God. Right? This, is, this is why Jesus came, to invite people into a relationship with him through his son, through Jesus. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, For we are all baptized, immersed by the Spirit, by one Spirit, into one body. This is, this is Paul referring to the church. He's the body of Christ, the, 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 the fellowship of believers. He says in Galatians, he says, for, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for when you were baptized, for all of you were baptized, you were immersed into Christ and, and have clothed, uh, you've been immersed in Christ, have been clothed yourself with Christ. You've clothed yourself with Christ. You've been fully covered. You have been consumed by. You have been fully covered and, and, and immersed into Christ. And I believe that when you accept Christ into your heart, when you have this first step of baptism, you receive the fullness of God. You receive the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you receive the fullness of God. This is the first baptism. And many of us have experienced that. The second baptism is, a, is water baptism. And this is one we, a lot of us when we refer to baptism, this is, excuse me, this is what we think about, right? We think about being dunked in water. And, and water baptism, it says in Acts 2, 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. They were baptized in water. This is a separate experience. This is not salvation, Right? This is that mic. You want to grab me the handheld mic? I'll just grab this one here. It's my. Not. So, you with me? Jack, here we are. I know you guys can hear my voice in the room, but those online won't be able to, so we'll just use this. So salvation is, is, is a, I mean, water baptism is a separate experience. It's not salvation. We were saved by grace, right? We've been saved by grace, not by water baptism. For it has been grace you've been saved by, by faith, right? It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Listen, if, if baptism saved us, right? If baptism, water baptism saved us, then we'd be saved by the things that we have done. We would be saved by works, wouldn't we? Because those who did the work of getting baptized in public have now received salvation, and those who didn't aren't. And that's not what the Bible says. So water baptism isn't salvation. It is an outward expression. It is something private, has, a private decision has happened in my life, and now we're going to go, it just needs to go public. We need to let people know about this. This is when you in love, fall in love with your, when I fell in love with Wendy, we had a public de de declaration of our love, and I wear this wedding ring as a public declaration. This wedding ring isn't my love, but it's a form of my love. It's a declaration of my love towards my life, that I belong to somebody. Right? I belong to somebody. Matthew tells us, Jesus tells us in Matthew rather 10, he says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, well, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. Meaning there is a moment where you have to go public with your faith. You have to let people know whose you are and whose you are living for. We're, there's a beautiful moment of receiving the, being baptized into the body of Christ, and that's, a power, that's, that's in your heart. That's, that's a free gift, but at some point, that has got to go public. You've got to let people know about it, which leads to our third baptism, which is the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. There was this moment in Acts 8 where it actually outlines all three of them in this story. In Acts 3, in Acts 8, sorry, verse 5, it starts, Philip, he was one of the apostles, he went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there, proclaimed Jesus there, he preached. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news, so when they believed, so now they were baptized into the body of Christ, the first baptism, right, salvation received by grace, the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They were then baptized, both men and women. This is baptism in water. They were, so they believed, baptism into the body of Christ. They believed, that's baptism in water. And both men and women. Fast forward to verse 14. It says that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard about that, that all this was happening in Samaria, this revival that was taking place in Samaria, they sent Peter and John to them. They sent more apostles down. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might, what? Receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not come upon them yet. And they had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. But then Peter and John placed their hands on him, on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in this story, we see the baptism of all three at work in, sequ- in, 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 rele- in relevancy with each other in relation to one another. Well, why are there three baptisms? Well, what's the point of all this? Well, the first baptism is just, it's all grace, right? This is the free gift of God. This is, you just have to receive it. You just have to accept it. You just have to abide in it, receive this God grace. But the second baptism requires something of you, right? It requires you and I to do something. It requires you and I to go public, right? To acknowledge God before our friends and our families and to say, listen, I don't know. I may not know everything, and there's a lot i got to figure things out. I'm still a work in progress, but I'm committed to following Jesus, and that's what water baptism is. The third baptism, though, empowers us to do something. So while the second baptism requires us to do something, the third baptism actually empowers us to do something that we could not do on our own. It empowers us to be light, to be salt, to live a life for Christ. And well, what does that empowerment look like? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Let's figure that out. All right? Let's keep going. Acts 1. Just before Jesus is ascended into heaven, this Acts 1, verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while Jesus was eating there with his disciples, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, say this word with me, gift. Wait for the what? The gift. Listen, this is a present. This is something good. This is, God wants to give you something good. This is a gift. This is something that he's been waiting to give you. You know, right now we're getting ready for Christmas and a lot of us are preparing ahead of time. We're, we maybe saved up money or, or thinking ahead. What would my loved one love? And you're, you're preparing ahead of time to give them this gift on Christmas morning. I, I believe God was preparing ahead of time in order to give you and I this gift. This is something he desires and longs for you and I to receive. Right? This beautiful gift. He says, you got to wait though. You got you to you wait for this moment. You got to wait. I got to go first. But when I go, listen, this gift is going to come. Wait for the gift that my father promised. We talked about that week one. Which you've heard me speak about for John baptized in water, right? But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what will this, whole, what will this baptism do? Well, if you keep on going, well, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my, what? Say this with me, this word with me one more time. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witness. Why are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? What's the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need to receive this gift? Jesus is telling us it's not so we can be better than anybody else. It's not so we can boast about what we have and what, or versus what you have. No, no, no. You'll receive this power from the Holy Spirit to be my witness. 
Meaning, listen, it's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. And I think you're great. I think you're awesome. Peter, I've seen you grow quite a bit in these last few years. But I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to need my spirit, my power in you if you're going to be my witness. And he says the same thing. This is not him saying, thinking less of us. This is him thinking, hey, I, I have this gift for you. I have this treasure for you. I have this power for you that is so beautiful. And I want you to know it so that you can be my witness. Empowered to witness. This word power is dunamis. This word dunamis. And it's this power. This means this force, this miraculous power, this explosive power of God. This is the Greek word for power, dunamis. And it's this miraculous explosive power that enables us to do uh, with him what we could not do without him. Right? We can do with him what we could not do without him. This is the same power when it talks about dunamis. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power that Jesus used when he spoke and called Lazarus out of the grave. It's the same power that God used when he spoke, let there be light. It's that same power, this dunamis power, that resides within each one of us. That we have access to, available to. Come on now. Some of you guys get excited about this power that's accessible to you and to I. I love it. If you read the Old Testament, there's these moments where like the Old Testament kings and priests and prophets who were anointed for service, they would, they would pour the anointing oil over their head. It would run down their head and on their beard and onto their, this dramatic expression. But they were anointed not just for anointing purposes. They weren't just anointed for anointing. They were anointed for purpose. They were anointed being set apart for purpose. And I believe the Holy Spirit anoints us and empowers us to be set apart for a purpose. It's not just that so we can say that we had the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm all about the manifestations and the presence of God, but that's not why we have the Holy Spirit. It's not to manifest the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us to be, say the word again, witnesses. Right? And he uses the presence and the power of God through us to be a witness. We are empowered for a purpose, which is ultimately to bring glory and attention back to God. The Holy Spirit power at work in you always brings attention back to God. If the attention is going to anyone other than God, it is not the Holy Spirit. If the attention is self-serving or self-building, if it's about building my kingdom or my platform, it is not the Holy Spirit. The attention, the power of the Holy Spirit points people back to Jesus, to be my, say it again, witness. Right? To be my witness. I love this illustration. If you see this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, if you were to take an empty cup, imagine with me an empty glass cup. All right, I should have had an illustration. That would have been a better move of me, but I missed it. All right, imagine you have an empty glass, empty cup, and this is you pre-Christ. This is you before, you're just empty. You're, you're, just, you're just without yourself. And when you accept Christ into your life and you are baptized into the bottom, you are then filled. Fill that cup with water. You are now filled with the fullness of God. And that fullness of God, what we talked about last week, is there to, to counsel you, to correct you, to convict you, to cultivate within you all of his goodness and all of his grace, to pray the Spirit, to, pr to understand his word, and to, to pray to God, and to be, hear the voice of God. All that is for you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for others. So it's taking that same full cup of water, everyone visualize that cup of water, and putting that full cup of water under a constant source. Right, so imagine a hose or something, a constant flow, constant source. And that constant source now is blowing, is pouring into that full cup of water. Now what happens? It begins to overflow, right? It begins to make a difference. It begins to make a mess. It begins to make an impact of all around it. Because the overflow, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't for me. I'm already full. It's for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is for you. I've already got the fullness of God. 
But the power of the Holy Spirit allows me to be a witness for you to make a holy mess, right, in the lives of those around me. Now, what happens sometimes without the power of the Holy Spirit is that we take that cup that's full and we pour out of ourselves, which temporarily has the same impact, doesn't it? Temporarily, it makes a mess. Temporarily, it impacts those around us. But what happens after the moment? What happens after the moment passed? That cup is now empty. That cup is now burned out, broken, depleted, cynical, judgmental, void of God, empty of God. And how many times have we seen people who, are, who look so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of God, and we see the power of God, but only years later, just void of God. We've got nothing left. Because they were trying to do it in their own strength. Jesus poured out of himself so we can overflow what he's given to us. Right? So we overflow. So that's the visual. I hope that helps. That helps me understand. Okay, so how do I stay? I'm already filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of others. So two things really quickly before we go. i got a lot of content, not very much time. My bad. All right. Two th- I, want to t- do th- I want to tell you three things that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do, and then really quickly, how do we receive that power in our life? So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. First thing the Holy Spirit empowers us to do is to live righteously. Right? He empowers you and I to live righteously. We spent a lot of time on this last week, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it this week. Romans 8, 9, it says, You, whoever, are controlled by your sinful nature. You were, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You used to be, but you're not. But you're controlled by the Spirit. And if the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you, so if you're now filled with the Spirit, you are now controlled by the Spirit. You are led by the Spirit. You are directed by the Spirit. Your desires begin to change. Those, those want-tos uh, transform. I, I want to instead of I just have to. I, I, I get to. I want to. And you gain this divine wisdom and direction. We talked about this last week in this verse in Isaiah 30. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Listen, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to hear the voice of God. Listen, you don't have to hear the voice of God through somebody else's personal experience. You have this opportunity now to hear the voice of God and to allow him to direct your steps and to give you wisdom in which way to go. And when those moments when you feel weak, and those moments you feel you don't have what it takes, remember what Paul's words in 2 Corinthians says, my, and when he's quoting Christ, he quotes Jesus here. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. This is Paul quoting Jesus. Then he says, Paul goes, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? So Christ's power, right, this power may rest in me for when I am weak, then I am strong, right? It's, it's this idea that we get to rest in his power in our life, right? We don't, we don't, we don't use it as an excuse just to keep on sinning and to, to, to celebrate our weaknesses, but we recognize, listen, in these moments where I'm weak, I can rest in the power of God. We need the spirit to live an obedient life to God's word, to resist temptations to sin and to keep our mouths shut. When we want to lash out, right, when we want to speak out and want to spew insults, his spirit changes me and strengthens me and empowers me to be what? A better version of me, right, to live righteously, cultivating within me his character and his grace to live righteously, to make the right choices, to make the right choices. He empowers me to make the right choices. And all of us know what that looks like when you get to those moments where your flesh wants one thing, right? You kind of your gut, your, 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 your selfishness wants one thing, but you recognize, but this is the right, this is the better thing. This is the right thing. And the Spirit of God gives us the power to do that. Secondly, the Spirit empowers us to me to live supernaturally. 
to live supernaturally in Acts we, Acts, we see that. We know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I find it interesting that when, when Christ came from heaven into earth and he left, he kind of came into time and space and he was only able to bring one thing with him and the thing that he brought with him was the power of the Holy Spirit. He brought the Holy Spirit. He's like, when you go to a deserted island, you can only bring one thing with you. What are you going to bring, you know? And Jesus came into our world, and what he brought with himself was the power, the person of the Holy Spirit. And this Spirit helped him. It helped him fulfill every prophecy that was laid out. He had to live this perfect, sinless life, and he couldn't afford to make even a mistake. And as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is our only hope in fulfilling the things that we are created to do. We cannot do it in our own strength. We, we need him to help live supernaturally. We need him not only to demonstrate God's supernatural power, to, but also to love those and serve those that God has prayed with students. Listen, I, just, I tell you what. The only way that we're going to be able to love people who are unlovable is through the love of God. <laughs> right? Like, that's supernatural. Like, I, I, I'm all about signs and wonders, and I would love to see lame walk and, and people healed and raised from the dead. I'm all about those things. But the greatest supernatural moment is when people's hearts are turned and restored back to relationship with Jesus. That's the best thing that could ever happen. I'll tell you what, the greatest thing is when someone's able to love even their enemy. And someone's able to pray for those who are persecuting for you. That's living supernaturally, isn't it? Because it's easy to default to our own self. It's easy to default to our own flesh. But we can, if we want to live a supernatural life, we need the Spirit of God empowering us to pray for our, our enemies and, and to bless those who persecute, persecute us. To love those who are unlovable. To be kind and not just be good, but to make things right. Right? To be proactive in our faith. To live a righteous life. Life. Jesus says in John 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works, will do the works that I have done, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, he says, Because I'm going to the Father and because I'm sending my Son, you're going to be able to do even greater things than I have done. And if you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus healing the sick. He's spitting on people's eyes. They're being able to see. He's raising up people from the dead. He's having people walk. Like, it's unbelievable stuff. You're like, we can do better than that? Like, how is that even possible? And I don't think it's all about doing better. I actually think it's about just doing more. Because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit resided in Jesus, right, when Jesus was on earth. So the Holy Spirit's power resided through one man. And Jesus said, listen, if, you want, if, we, if this thing is going to spread... I have to go away so the Holy Spirit can then reside in all of you. So it's not just me calling and raising up the sick. It's not just me calling out and raising up the dead. It's not just me praying over people to receive hope and sight. No, it's all of you. It's all of you. So all of a sudden, the greater is now not just better. It greater is more. It's multiplication. It's now it's not just one person, but it's all who call up. It's all who follow Christ are able to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that was given to Jesus so he could accomplish every assignment given to him. And that Holy Spirit is available to you and I today. This is why Jesus insisted that the disciples, don't leave. Don't leave Jerusalem. You know, he's going up to heaven. He's like, don't leave Jerusalem until I send you, until you've received the promised Holy Spirit. And only after that comes upon you, you'll receive this power, this, this dunamis power to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously and empowers us to live supernaturally. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit empowers us 
to live on mission. To live on mission, to stay focused to what we're called to do. Listen, you've heard me say this before, but the church does not exist for us. But we are the church and we exist for the world, right? I'm so grateful that this church is for you. It's just not about you. Right? This place is for you to grow into a relationship with Jesus, to grow into an overflowing relationship with Jesus. But don't get me wrong, this church is not about you. We're about those who are far from God. You're on the, you've been baptized into the Christ. You're a part of the family. Amazing. Receive all that God has for you. Grow into an overflowing relationship with Jesus. But then go and be a witness, right? Be empowered to be a witness. Be empowered to be salt and light. Make the world brighter and better. We are not, the church does not exist for you and I, but we are the church. If we believe in Jesus and followers of Jesus, we are the church and we exist for the world. So what is God asking you and I to do that we are unqualified to do, that in and of ourselves we cannot do? First thing is he asks us to share Christ boldly. To share Christ boldly. I, I was thinking about it this morning. I was just preparing. It's not in my notes. I don't have the scriptures on the screen. I was going to tell you them. This moment, right? Jesus is, is being crucified. He, he's being arrested. Sorry, he's arrested. He's being tried. And they're, they're in the courts, in, in front of Pilate, Pilate's courts. And Peter, right? We know this famous story. Even if you don't know this whole story about the Bible, you're probably familiar with this part where, G, where Peter denies Jesus, right? He denies even knowing Jesus. And it's not even just a couple of men, burly men or big guards, large groups. He even denies Jesus to a little girl. Like, he, he is so cowardly. He is so ashamed. He is so embarrassed. He even denies knowing Jesus to a little girl. Well, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after Acts 2, when he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's the Bible say? Bob, that Peter stood up. Even after large mobs of people are accusing him of being drunk because they just received the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter, the one who shied away from a little girl, stood up in front of thousands to preach the message. And the Bible says that over 3,000 people received the power and the, the good news of God. We're baptized into the power of God. What changed? Well, he received the power of the Holy Spirit. He received something in him that, that gave him the power to do things that he wasn't able to do among themselves. Listen, it's not just about knowing about Jesus. It's not even just about knowing Jesus. It's receiving the power that he has given to you, available to you. I love how even Paul says, he says, my message and my preaching was not of wise and persuasive words. Thank you, Jesus, because I don't have those but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Listen, we're not trying to manipulate or convince or, or, or you know, just, uh, just re I can't even think of the word. That's how dumb I am at sometimes. So we're not trying to convince you with our words about Jesus. We want you to experience his power. And that's why so much of me, I just desire for you to know Jesus personally. Don't just know about Jesus through my experience or through experience of your small group leader, but know Jesus personally. Know Jesus personally, abide with him, pray, open his word, allow him to speak to your heart. And secondly, we received this to live on mission, to, hold, to have hope, to hold on to hope in a hopeless world. I don't know if you turn on the news lately, but the world we're living in is pretty hopeless. It's pretty dire. People are grasping at straws, they're holding on to something. And you and I are the messengers of hope. We carry the hope of Christ as an anchor to our soul. And our job is to be hope, not to feed the flame of conspiracies, not to feed the fire of speculism and criticism, but to fan hope, to speak hope, to speak life, to bring salt and to make it better and brighter. Listen, we are called to be beacons and carriers of hope. This is my message. I remember opening my, this verse before I even showed up to this church. 
And I remember reading this verse, and I think, God, what would it look like if a church could operate in this way? What would it look like if you had a people of God who are so filled with hope, who are so overflowing with hope, that we give glory back to God? May Romans 15, 13, you know this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in him, right? There's a relationship that has to be formed with God. Right? There's a relationship that has to be formed with Jesus. This is a personal relationship. It's, it's, it's as we trust, right? There's a building process so that you may, what? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Meaning this is not something we can contrive on our own. This is not something we can make happen. This is not something we can manipulate in a moment. We can't manipulate the emotions. This is something that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us hope in a hopeless situation. That keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus when the world is trying to convince you that he doesn't exist. So how do we feel to the Holy Spirit? What does this look like really quickly? Ephesians tells us not to get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, meaning don't, don't fill yourself or don't get distracted and consuming with selfish living. But it says instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, which is empowers you and I for purpose. So listen, we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, the, the power, the purpose, and the presence of God. So how do we do that really quickly? Is you need to first remove all your barriers. Just remove all the barriers. Like we got to remove the hurts, the hindrances, the hang-ups, the misconceptions, those feelings of what happened when that happened, or just, just all those misconceptions, like the, all, all the, you just gotta reset, hit the reset button. First you gotta do that, Acts 2, 8, 38 says, Peter replied, repent and believe, every single one of you in the name of Jesus for the, unfor for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, your children and all generations. So you gotta repent. First you gotta, you gotta remove all those hindrances. Second thing you need to do is you need to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need to come to this place where you say, God, I, there's a lot I don't understand. I'm going to be honest, there's a lot that's beyond my comprehension, but I just, if you have it for me, I want it. If you have it for me, I want it. I want all that you have for me, that everything that God has for you is good. Listen, he's not going to take you down a place that's going to lead you to death. He's going to fill you to fill you to overflowing. He's got his, everything he's, for the, he's got life for you. He's got life for you and hope for you. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be opened. Jesus says in Luke 11, he says, if you though, if you then know, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven uh, give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. He's gonna ask. Father, I want your Holy Spirit. I want your presence. I want your power. I want, I want to live righteously and supernaturally. I want to be able to live on mission, to speak boldly and to hold on to hope. Thirdly, we need to receive by faith. Receive by faith. This is, this is, this is, a, big, this is a big leap. You know what I've learned with faith? Faith is like going on the monkey bars where you have to let go of one before you can grab the other. You know? In that moment, that little moment where you're kind of in the air, is the scariest split second of your life, right? It's one thing to say you trust him, it's one thing to have faith, but the other thing to let go and trust. It's like when a little child jumps off the staircase into the daddy's arm or the parent's arm, just, I have faith that you'll trust me. Even if they're not looking, <laughs> they're gonna catch me, you know? And that's what faith looks like. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we have to pursue him. And it's, it's scary at times. It means taking a step of faith or trusting and believing that he's going to catch us. Why do we do all this? Is this so we can relate to him daily. We can relate to him daily. This is my prayer. This has been our prayer from the very beginning. It's the same prayer that Paul has to the church in Corinth. It says, may the amazing grace, may the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Listen, that we would have this revelation of God's amazing grace, of, God, of Christ's amazing grace, of God's amazing love, and that we would develop this intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, that you would abide with him and commune with him. This is my heart for you, that we would be a people who pursue the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't shy away from the things that we can't control or even the things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. Can we be honest about that? Can we be honest? Like even the things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. Because, you know, we want to be people who control it. We want to be able to control the narrative. We want to be able to control the environment, control them. And sometimes we just can't do that because if we're in control, then he's not in control. Right? So at some point we have to take our hands off the wheel and just trust that God is good. That God's got me. God's, he's, he's good. He's a good father. He's going to carry us. He's not going to drop us. He's not going to ask you something that's going to lead you to death. But he may stretch you a little. Right? We wouldn't shy, but we would embrace the power to make a difference in the lives of others. To be a witness. I'm going to close this series with this thought from John, one of Jesus' closest apostles, disciples. First John. And he writes this in John 5, 7. He says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. He's speaking to the Trinity here. The Father, right? God the Father. The Word, which if you read the Gospel of John, he refers to Jesus. This is the Word, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit. These three in heaven, they reside in heaven. They bear witness to each other in heaven. And, there's, and they all are one. And then there's three that bear witness on earth. Speaking now to the baptisms. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism in water, and there's the baptism of blood, which is really the grace, right? The blood of Christ, the baptism into the, into the, the family of God, the baptism into Christ. And all these three agree as one. Listen, so when we stay away from the Holy Spirit, we're staying away from God. When we stay away from Jesus, we're staying away from the Holy Spirit. We want to embrace all three. All three are there for us for specific reasons by God's grace, his love, and his community, and his fellowship. For we know that God loves you. I want you to know this. I want you to hear me today, that God loves you. God the Father, God the Son saves you. And God the Holy Spirit empowers you to be a witness, to make a difference in the lives of others. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet across this place. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want you to have a moment before we rush away. Just give me a couple more minutes before we settle. Just close your eyes, and I just want you to ask an honest, an honest question. And the honest question is this, is that do you desire a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to know him? Do you want him to help you to live righteously, live supernaturally, and live on mission? If you do, then I just want you to just take a deep breath and just say, God, I, there's a lot I don't know but I want all that you have for me.
Sometimes in these moments where I feel a little bit confused, I know this sounds silly, but sometimes I just take a deep breath, breathe in the presence of God, and I just breathe out. I just breathe out all my fears and my worries and my concerns. I do that a couple times to just settle my heart, but say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I want you. Jesus, I'm thankful for you. Father, we desire to be people who embrace your fullness. God, we desire to be people who not just are thankful that you created us. Father, we're not just thankful that you sent your son to die for us, that we may have life with you and live in heaven. That's beautiful. But God, we would embrace the power of your Holy Spirit to be witnesses in this community, to be witnesses on this earth, in this space, and in this time to shine bright and make this world brighter, to, 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 to bring out the God flavors and to make this world tastier as we bring glory back to you. God, we recognize that in and of ourselves, we do not have what it takes. We are weak. We are feeble. God, we give up too easily. But God, by your spirit and by your power, God, we're able to do things that we cannot do among our, by ourselves. God, I thank you for the gift of the church that gives us one another to stand beside, but I also thank you for your gift of the spirit that never leaves us nor forsakes us. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. God, there is a sense of boldness that comes upon us. And so God, we just pray that you just give us a fresh revelation today of your power. Give us a fresh revelation of your personhood. Give us a fresh revelation of the purpose that you have for us. God, that we may walk in you and know you. God, we give you our hearts today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.